It's Monday the 29th of November 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this past week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is Paula Gould, a fo- the founder of Float and Gala EHOF, uh, a business growth consulting firm and also co-founder of Women Tech Iceland, a non-profit organisation whose goal is to bring together the dis- disparate groups of women in technology in Iceland and amplify women investors to from Iceland. Innovators, I can't speak today. It's OK. And <laughs> amplify women innovators from Iceland to the global tech community. Welcome to you. I say it repeatedly, and you're doing that for the first time, so we're all good. Yeah, thank you for having me. What it's rehearsals. great to be here. Um, this past week, Althingi sat for the first time since the election, and it voted to accept the election result and confirm the appointment of all MPs and deputies. This cleared the way for the negotiating parties to announce their new coalition agreement. They made it public yesterday, and the same three parties are therefore going to carry on running the country, though with some major and surprising changes to the cabinet lineup. On the virus front, the booster vaccine rollout continues apace, including in a van, um, and Iceland expects around 12,000 child-sized vaccine doses by the end of December, but has still not decided whether or not to actually use them. Meanwhile, border rules tightened yesterday for people who have recently been in southern Africa to keep out the new Omicron variant of COVID-19. With cases in Denmark, Scotland, Belgium and many other countries already, though, it does seem like it's only a matter of time. This makes a confusing economic picture even more complicated, with economic growth up, unemployment down, but inflation and interest rates also up, as well as controversy surrounding the upcoming pay rises that were negotiated back in 2019. The little-known and allegedly very cruel blood mare industry was blown right open in a short online documentary from a Swiss animal rights organisation this past week. The footage has created uproar and calls to ban the industry, which is apparently legal in only three countries and worth millions. The ice around Grimsvatn volcano in the Vatnajökull glacier continues to sink rapidly and a glacial flood is all but certain. And a volcanic eruption after that? Well, maybe. <laughs> and finally, Advent has begun, and with it, the countdown to Christmas. The Oslo Christmas tree is lit up, and life is feeling a lot more festive than it did 12 months ago, despite the growing uncertainty for the coming weeks. Don't forget the goat. Oh, the goat. The Christmas oh, that's goat been is there also... For ages. That's true. But it hasn't burnt down yet. <laughs> it hasn't burnt down yet. Uh, okay, where would you like to begin? There's plenty oh to goodness. talk about. Oh my goodness, let's start with Grimswatt, only because I have a special connection connection to Grimsvat and its eruptions. So when I moved here to get married, um, or I was moving here when we were getting married, I should say, in uh, 2011, I landed here on my birthday, May 22nd. That's when Grimsvat went off. Yeah. We were one of the last planes to land here. And so I'm celebrating my 10-year wedding anniversary, and I just think that my life is just kind of bookended at the moment from Grimsvot. So it'll be interesting to see the Yoko Hloip. Yeah. And um, if we end up with another thing to worry about. <laughs> so glacial floods like yeah. this, when when the meltwater gets to a critical mass, I suppose it is, and it right. lifts up the ice cap and rushes out, mm-hmm. they're not uncommon. Right. Um, and it's been expected. Yeah. So preparedness. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I imagine that we don't have too much to worry about, except if, if a volcano follows it. Right. And even and then, even will then, it be? I mean, it wasn't as disruptive as Eyjafjallajökull, right? So. No. It's it's keeps things exciting. Keeps I, us on the tourism map and. 
Yeah. Definitely. Is it the most active volcano in Iceland? I think it is. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. My husband's name's Grimer, so every time it comes up, he just says it's his volcano or his, his glacier waters. or his waters. <laughs> I, fe- I feel it in my waters. Um, yeah, so Grimsvær yeah. erupted in 2004, 2011, mm-hmm. yeah. I think before that in 98. So it's yeah. quite regular and people survived. So yeah. It's, um, yeah, so as far as volcanoes, I mean, I think we've been pretty lucky with volcanoes of it over the last decade, right? Like Bárðarbunga was beautiful and and horizontal, right? Mm. It didn't cause too much disruption. And, and you know, huge. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Um, and of course, the Fagradals volcano is like probably the most tourist friendly volcano I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> most of I only went up one 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 and a half times we got fogged out the second time uh which was unfortunate because i was here with like family members that were big hikers right um and so i'm not a big hiker and i was struggling they were not and so it almost appeared like we were i was telling them we weren't going to go up because i was tired but the reality is i saw the fog bank rolling in and i think it was like the week before that that somebody went missing right um but it uh, friends have gone like 20 30 times so you know, and you can walk right up to one of the lava tongues. Yeah, it's as long spectacular. as you don't walk on the lava tongue. <laughs> even then, matter of even time. Then, and, even and, then, even yeah. then, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So this year has been a year of, I mean, un- it always is in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, but even more so than usual, a year of talk about volcanoes and earthquakes. Yeah. And uh, the year started with this earthquake swarm that led to the volcano. And yeah. 50,000 50, earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. And it could be ending with this. So yeah. in a way, that's quite nice. We're all about bookends this yeah. year, right? Ten-year bookends and volcano bookends. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, at some point, pandemic bookend. We'd like wow. to see that yeah. disappear. <laughs> Let's talk about that yeah. next. Um, but yeah, uh, in the meantime, there's there's nothing to worry about with no. Greensford. But Doesn't people are seem that way, yeah. being told not to go to it. Yeah, let's not, you know, let's not pull a veek and walk in the middle of a water pathway, right? Exactly yeah. that, yeah. So just be, be careful, be sensible. Don't mm-hmm. go up to don't, the volcano. Don't do it. Apart from that, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, mm-hmm. talking of having a nice day. Yeah. Omicron. Yeah. It was really interesting on Friday night. I, I was running an event on Saturday. Um, we weren't. We, we had capped our attendance at 50. Um, but as soon as the news program ended that night, we got emails like, oh, maybe I shouldn't come. And, um, and the next day we were discussing it. And one of the things uh, that people were saying, well, like, it hasn't reached here yet. So, you know, why would somebody cancel? And I was like, you know what? That's just the state of where we are right now. It's concerning and people are fatigued from being concerned. Mm. And uh, so you just have to kind of roll with where people are mentally and and physically. And, and I think that it is frightening to have another more, uh, I don't know, more viral? What What is it? More dangerous? <laughs> well, we don't know that even. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we think it's a lot more contagious. Yeah. But as yeah. to more dangerous, that's kind of yeah, up in the air remains to be remains to be seen. But mm. I understand why people are, are cautious and, and, you know, like wearing masks uh, where, where you can. Um, and the speed and of the distance. news coming out. It's just, it seems almost it's, hourly. But you know what's interesting about this particular news that I I was happy about is how quick I'm happy it came out quickly, right? We if we if we're getting the information 
and factual information faster, then we're in a better position to make better decisions for our like our community and our country and our constituents, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think what's interesting too, um, at least for those of us who have, you know, we didn't grow up here, and and so our news sources are not only Icelandic news sources, but they're international news sources. So we're processing, I feel like, a lot more information, um, and and maybe even getting conflicting information. So it's it's good that the information is coming out and people are analyzing it and we're starting to see like hey what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It's obviously frustrating from a tr- like you know on a first world problem level with travel. Um you know, it's the holidays, people have been stuck on an island. <laughs> we want to those of us who are not from here really want to go home. Those of us who grew up here really want some sunshine somewhere. Um yeah. you know, the volcano in the Canary Islands probably ruined a couple of people's plans this year too but um i think it's better to be safe than sorry right yeah it's in my opinion at least it's a matter of time i probably yeah. this week i think yeah. i mean because it was the end of last week we heard about it first yeah then it was saturday or maybe it was friday, friday night i think yeah cramp clamping down yeah. on travel from southern africa yeah. saturday it was in belgium yeah sunday it's in scotland and yeah. denmark and norway yeah. It's going to be here. Well, of course, in the nether- the two flights that landed in the Netherlands that had 61 right. positive cases. I mean, that's – how does that – you know, you you got to ask, like, how does that happen now, right? We have so much testing, and we're, we're looking at it from our own perspective on what our country or our community is doing from a testing and, and precautionary place. So it would be interesting to find out, like, what went wrong there and how they can fix it. Yeah. But also great that it got caught at the border, right? So what happens next? On that occasion. Yeah, on that occasion. But exactly. it's, it's similar with like the drug trafficking trade. Yeah. They always flag up how much they've seized at the border, but you don't know how much got through. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, on a positive note, yeah, some people are saying that this might be the variation we've been waiting for. Yeah. The one that's much quicker spreading, but with less severe health implications. Yeah, I mean, that's what my biggest thing just uh, personally from the entire pandemic has been about protecting, you know, like I I will wear a mask to protect other people. Um, You know, uh, initially people weren't worried about children. I was very worried about my own kids. Um, And I think that we have to kind of all process that and learn. And as more information comes out, we get better at making educated guesses. Um, but if we can reach a point where the infection rate is high, but the in, the the severity of that infection rate is low, mm. um, you know, maybe we'll maybe it'll turn into a cold or flu or something instead of, of the massive pandemic problem that it is now. I, mean, I don't know. It, it always seems yeah. like that would be the likely end of the pandemic. Yeah. Because we're not getting rid of this thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were, it's funny at my event this weekend, we were discussing that, like, how do we make this the new normal and what, what do we do? What do we introduce into our daily lives? Right now it's sticking Q-tips up our noses, (laughs) Uh, which is extraordinarily uncomfortable, but a lot less uncomfortable than being ill and making, you know, being patient zero that gets everyone else sick. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. It's, it is nerve wracking though. It's really hard to predict yeah. What changes are going to happen just in the next seven days, I think. Yeah. Um, and somebody had posted on one of the news sites uh, or like in the comments section. I can't remember which one, but it was like, 
okay, we go for shot three and then that'll get us through to shot four and then shot five. And, and obviously this person was being sarcastic, um, but it does it does feel a bit that way. But if you put it into context of the yearly flu shots, uh, maybe that's the direction we're heading. I guess we'll see, right? Yeah. Nobody knows. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, so. <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, but uncertainty, of course, is, is bad for the economy. Yeah. Uh, bad for certainly the tourism industry. It's um, also bad for mental health, frankly. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And especially as we head into the darkness, I think that, you know, we already have that kind of compound issue of like putting up as many twinkly lights as we can just to get through the t- December. And, you know, until, you know, January is always tough until you get into February and daylight returns. Um, but I do think that I feel anyway in, in my social circles and in my work circles that there is a little bit of, um, you know, that uncertainty is really weighing on people. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to plan. It's hard to know what's next. It really is. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else to add or should we move on? No, let's move on. Okay. Where would you like to go next? There was the economic news. The politics, of course, is huge. Yeah. Important. Okay. Let's get all of the really nasty stuff out of the way and then we can kind of move into politics and Christmas. So why don't we go blood mare? Yeah. Since we're talking about medicine anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had, had you heard of the industry before? I, yes. So, yes. I, so when I was in college, I was actually studying veterinary medicine. I didn't graduate with that degree. I really, it turns out that my love for animals was not enough to carry me through the rigorous course loads. That, mm. <laughs> um, so I am aware of the various things that the uh, industries do to increase the number in a litter or the number of, uh, offspring in order to drive milk production, to drive meat production, things like that. So yes, I am aware of that. I did not know the Icelandic um, industry really well. Like I had heard about it, you know, uh, we have, my husband's family has has a farm in the South. Um, we have horses and sheep and at one point for a long time chickens. Um, but I didn't know that this was like a separate thing and I didn't know that it was tied into a larger pharmaceutical industry. So like this investigation and and kind of whistleblower documentary was uh, jarring and fascinating at the same time. Um, I think that one of the biggest issues for me is the outside of the purported science of it, it's the... It's it's just gnarly. Like if if you watch the videos um, and you see the contraptions that they're putting in, and and you know it, it's if it's hard for people who have worked with and work with animals to watch that and understand the nuances of working with animals, if you don't understand veterinary, pharmaceutical, or any other area, I think that it's it's mind blowing. So I think where I might not have been so surprised about like the nuances of using various blood from various other animals to produce pharmaceuticals to produce more litters and and offspring for other animals right that that was clear for me um but these contraptions are medieval and the viewpoint of looking at an animal only as you know like a money source is it's kind of that side of human existence that's just awful. 
Um, you know, we see it kind of in employment when we talk about labor instead of talking about the people that are that comprise the labor, right? Um, and in this particular case, these mares are pregnant. They already ha- they have foals by their side a lot of times because of the gestation cycle of the horses, um, and. It, it, it's it's just awful. It's just frightening. And it, to me, what's most devastating is the veterinarians um, kind of caving to, you know, the end need of the pharmaceutical companies instead of saying, like, if we're going to if we're going to use this kind of blood, how do we formulate a system so that we're not abusing the animals in the process? Mitigating the abuse of animals in the process. But um, hearing the foals scream as they don't know what's happening to their mothers and the mothers thrashing because they're being held in extraordinarily uncomfortable and unnatural positions. And then, of course, you see the other things, which you typically see when you have exposés on from animal rights groups, is you see individuals abusing the animals. And uh, that's rife in every animal-related industry. And I'm glad that it's exposed um, and I hope that going forward, uh, there's some changes there and that the pharmaceutical companies take responsibility and stop putting it solely on the vets. I think that that's like blaming the hitman instead of the, the godfather of the mob, right? So I have very strong opinions about this whole thing that probably we don't have enough time for today. <laughs> we could definitely do a whole show on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it true, as far as you're aware, that yeah. I, there seems to be indications that Iceland, Uruguay, and Argentina are the only countries doing this. Yeah, that I mean, my knowledge is based on whatever is in the news, right? So that's what I've also read. Um, and that's also fascinating. Like, why, if we look at that, why is that? What What is the, the case for, is there legislation in other countries to prevent it? Have, they, have other um, people not just caught on to the financial... Uh, windfall that it produces no, or it is, is it, outlawed in a lot of places yeah or is it just um it, yeah is it just kind of like having a conscience and and ethos and caring about the animals you're purported to to be supposed to be taken care of yeah okay. i don't know so oh, i hate the whole thing <laughs> but in short yeah one another question maybe mm-hmm. is is are the drugs the product the outcome of this blood are they being used in countries that are not allowed to produce it for themselves or is it not being used there? Yeah, I think and I think that we need to follow that supply chain, right? Like for okay. sure, if there are Icelandic company, pharmaceutical companies that are using this blood, right? They are not their their income, their it's not from Iceland, right? Iceland is a very small market. Uh, almost every company that wants to have a great um you know, successful shareholding, and they they need to seek customers outside of Iceland. Because um, if they're exporting primarily yeah. to to, for example, the EU, yeah, because it is allowed that's to where, produce their yeah. own, and, and that so, seems to be what the what the rights group is going after is to point out that you know there are legislation elsewhere that are benefiting from this. Uh, it's not unlike when you see um, makeup. That is not tested on animals, but the history of its ability to be makeup is from other people historically doing testing on animals, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's I, I think it, I think it's pretty awful. I think that there's a lot of pockets of uh, pharma and science and uh, 
yeah, various areas of of the sciences that, you know, once we are exposed to them, we better understand what it took to get the end result, right? So More meat production or whatever it is. What do you foresee? What's next? Um, obviously, there's growing and well, loud. Well, and my to... view is that I hope this isn't something that's exposed and we all are aghast about and then it just goes away like we tend to see. Um, I think that there needs to be some follow through on that. You know, we have a new government in place. This is happening as a new government's being formed. There are animal welfare, you know, the there is a ministry to cater to agriculture and animal welfare. Um, and perhaps that should be looked into. And also to see what ties there might be. Everything is relationship based here, right? So what if we now know about this, what what regulations can be placed or how can we analyze this uh, in a way that's going to be beneficial to the animals themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like there'll be lobbying, I'm sure. It's a pharmaceutical yep. thing. So. Um, a little bit into out of the pan and into the fire yeah. for Svandis Svavarsdottir, uh, yeah. who goes from the Ministry of Health in charge of COVID to yeah. the Ministry of the new Ministry of Food, Agriculture and Fisheries, which is Are they not bit... unrelated? I mean, I feel like they're related. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. she's jumping into the you, you into don't... the middle of a blood mare scandal right. yeah. as of yesterday. Yeah. Um, not easy. Not an easy first day at work, presumably. No, but I mean, I think that the is par for the course for her tenure in the, in the ministries, right? You know, mm. there's been a there's been a lot happening, and I I also think that um, while there's ultimately one minister responsible for overseeing the ministry, I think that there's a lot of moving parts there, and also other people that can be accountable to those those things. So I, I would like to see more transparency and accountability on, on that front. And I also think that Iceland has, um, from an innovation standpoint in agriculture, has a lot of new opportunities, right? There's a lot um, around seaweed that we haven't really previously seen that we could utilize. And, um, you know, we have lots of rich marine resources. How can we better utilize those um, to the benefit of both the sea and the people who are harvesting from it. I love some of the things that are, you know, the innovations that are coming out of the ocean cluster initiatives and things like that. So I, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see where we go with that, and and hopefully start those processes and those innovations with, with some positive ethical um, procedures in place. Yeah, indeed. Um... We are running out of time, so let's yeah. talk about politics. Yeah, um, let's talk about it's that. Big, big news. Yeah. We've got a new government. It's the same government, but it's a new government. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what it was. Like, we've got this fancy new government with this fancy new PDF, but it's all of the same people. <laughs> so, um, Well, one person from before isn't there. Yeah. Two people from not before are now. Yeah. There's two new people, basically. We've got 12 ministries, yeah. uh, which is the most ever, joint most ever. Yeah. And some really interesting changes. For example, um, there's no more education ministry. Yeah. Schools, universities and whatever have been split Yeah. to different um, ministries. I wonder what that's going to cause from a, like, because one of the biggest things is like the supply chain of STEAM, right? And, and you know, science, technology, the arts and mathematics. Um, uh, uh, engineering and mathematics, excuse me. And so I... 
you know, we already have a conundrum where our primary schools and younger education are not, you know, there's no, there's a, there's not a lot of science and technology in the early uh, development, right? So how, how, if we're splitting everything, is that going to, where will the communication be? That's what Mm. I would like to know. And how will we ensure that we get earlier STEAM programs? We're really great with arts, but it's the engineering, math, and technology we're struggling with. Sorry, I'm just looking over the article to see where schools have been put. But I also think, (laughs) yeah, but I also think like there's bigger opportunities to engage. Like maybe this is an opportunity since things are getting shaken up to engage more with programs like the Fulbright, right? I mean, Mm. obviously my skew is American because I'm from there, but there, you know, that's a pretty valuable program here. Um, So it'd be great to see more engagement there. So universities are part of the science industry and innovation ministry right now. Whereas schools are under schools, the new ministry of schools and children. Yeah. Which children used to be under social affairs. Yeah. Which is now different as well. Yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, I think I think that anytime they're kind of reconfiguring, there's an opportunity to do things positively differently. But I do think that it's increasingly important, especially if Iceland wants to position itself as the center of innovation in the North Atlantic, mm. that... Um, we need to introduce science and technology education early, earlier, like, you know, yep. maybe implement schema and, you know, in the schools instead of just having it as an annexed uh, program at the University of Reykjavik, right? So you're, Lots of great opportunities you're there. Opportunity, you you yeah. see opportunities in this, but I you're do. concerned that splitting schools and universities into different ministries yeah. could deepen a problem that already exists. Yeah, I I do think so. I think I think that they're you know I have young kids, right? Um, and so I we really try to encourage STEAM stuff. There's definitely a lot of focus on arts. They get lots of arts in, in the in the early grade schools. But I would like to see some more reflection of of tech and science for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. The old environment ministry is now the climate and environment ministry. Yeah. So that's a change, presumably in direct response to COP26. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that we have an opportunity to be leaders there, right? You know, like our, we see the glaciers receding. Um, we see uh, rougher seas. We see we see all of these kind of environmental effects that maybe others hear about. Um, and I think that that's an opportunity for us to do really positive things. And I hope that that's the direction it goes. I wonder how industry will will conflict um, and, and the innovation sector will conflict with climate and environment. That's always the balance. Right. And of course, we're building more like one of the other areas of the document was about providing housing and affordable housing and different types of housing. Um, and we can't just throw up buildings, right? We have to think about the environmental impact. There's, uh, you know, the human building interaction and the human environment interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with Envalis, which is a they're looking into these things. How do these buildings inter- interact with the environment to create more positive mental health and physical health? Um, so I think I do think that those things need to be really looked into. Yeah. Yeah. Um- one thing that really stood out was Guðmundur Ingi Guðbrandsson, 
who was brought into the last government specifically from Landwendt mm-hmm. to become environment minister. Yeah. This is his speciality. Now he's moved on to um, social affairs and the labour market. So it's a completely different field. Yeah, and it's a completely different field. But I also think that there's opportunity there, too, to reflect his passions for the environment, right? I mean, like the... Well, the social affairs part is just like what you, you were yes. saying. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think that I think that um, even though I I would have liked to have seen him stay in that ministry and lead that ministry, I think he does amazing. Th- I, I just really like him as a person. Um, but I also think that he is a deeply empathetic and uh, person, and I also see that the value that he has with that background and environment will be, um, you know, a great new angle for social affairs and for the labor market. I mean, like, there's so much happening with the labor market, right? We know, like, even just reading through the PDF last night um, of what we're going to be doing, you know, a lot of it speaks to foreigners and, you know, and uh, specialist visas and all these different types of things and then treating people according to, you know, humane and fair practices. And I'd like to see, I'd like to see him take that up. And, and really focus on you know, getting rid of bullying behavior, getting rid of uh, making sure that we have inclusive inclusion practices, which we are not great at, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, we have to look at inclusion beyond just gender. Right. And even then, even at even at the gender level, we're not living up to our number one country for gender equality uh, you know, brand. So I'd like to see more done in that respect. Yeah. Yep. Interesting point, um, as is the fact that the left Green Party doesn't have the Environment Ministry anymore. Yeah. It's, it's Lots of change there. Yeah. Uh, the Health Ministry's changed parties as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're kind of out of time. Yeah. Um, could talk about this, I'm sure, for another half an hour. But there we go. Um, we also didn't get to talk about Christmas. Um, but it's, Well, we can it's just say that it started. <laughs> we've got Advent. We've got candles. We've got yeah. twinkly lights. I... I begged my husband on his trip to Costco to buy a really outlandish Christmas twinkly light lamppost thing that we now have. It almost reminds me of my own version. Do you remember like the Christmas story and they get that lamp? It's right. like the leg lamp. So I feel like this is my version of the leg lamp. So everyone everyone can see the atrocity that is the giant Christmas lamppost out in front of our house. <laughs> Excellent. If you're driving around, uh, do be sure to look out for that. Um, did you do anything yesterday? Go and see the lights going up. We or went to the Hapnafjörður, um Christmas market, and it was excellent. And um, I made a point to try and buy at least something from the kind of independent booths. There's lots of really great booths there. Um, the soap I used this morning was from the the Moroccan booth that there was like Moroccan spices and soaps and things like that. Um, I brought, I bought a lavender spray. I'm, I'm really into like really essential oil smelly things right now. So um bought like a organic spray for, you know, your, like a calming spray for your beds. It's great to have calming things in the house when you have little kids at Christmas time because four weeks is a really long time in their little heads. <laughs> Probably good. And there was have... really great food too. Oh my goodness. Just like dried meats and then there was um like new pastry chefs, emerging pastry chefs and cocoa and Santa Clauses and Grilla and all of the things that you enjoy. I really, really encourage people to go to the Christmas markets. They're so fun. You meet really great people. There's music. Mm-hmm. It just kind of you know, 
even with all of our masks on, we feel together and, and um, yeah, it just lifts your spirits a little bit, I think. Obviously, this is a show free of advertising, but happy to promote um, small independent local producers and, and things like that. It's yeah. great. Um, and Happner Fjord is one of the most famous, most popular Christmas markets. Yeah. But there are others available. Yeah, of course. And you can go ice skating downtown. That's always yeah. like really fun, too. Yeah. Well, there we go. Out of time. Really Thanks sorry. Thanks for having me here. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming. Um, the Week in Iceland will be back next week, Monday the 6th of December, on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. That just leaves me to thank my guest today, Paula Gold. Thank you again. Thanks for having me um, And also Lydia Gretesdottir for running the studio. We finished today's programme with a little festive spirit in the form of a Christmas song you may have missed when it came out last year. I did, I'll admit, um, but which has a timeless quality that I guess means it's here to stay. This heartwarming little ditty is called Jolin Eru Okar and it's sung by Valdemar Gvumonsson and Briet. Bye for now. Jolin Eru Kertaljós og Knús Kani Langan Pipar Jólin eru minningin um það sem einhver tíman fann sinn hjartastað og settist að. Jólin eru gleð og glæni í bók, gömul mynd sem einhver forðum tók. Jólin eru öndutekningin, það eru pattslegi eftir vændingin í sérkvart sinn. Jólin eru okkar. Og allt sem fylgir þeim Dyrinn í töra heim eru okkar Og hvernig sem allt fer Ég óska mér Að eyða þeim Yeah.